0: Ready pop. Music Changing Lives. Welcome back to the Ready Pop Music Changing Lives podcast. We've been away for a while and uh, I'm glad to say that the ball is rolling once again. We have uh, two, well, three actually great guests today. But I first want to introduce some of Team Ready Pop, including a voice that you perhaps haven't heard before. So, uh, Abby, do you want to introduce yourself and what you do at Ready Pop?
1: Hello, I am Abby and I am the studio coordinator here at Ready Pop.
0: Thank you, Abby. Uh, And Pete, do you want to explain, uh, as a returning figure, do you want to explain a little bit about yourself? Sure thing, yeah. So I'm Pete and uh,
2: I've been working with Ready Pop since 2017 and I primarily work on the festival in the promotion and the booking, but also get involved in other things as well.
0: And here he is uh, for a chat. So, um, yes, I am (laughs) back again. Always, normally brings biscuits, but um, not this time. Can't
2: do that for this, unfortunately. (laughs) Zoom biscuits haven't quite worked for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And first up, our first guest, we have Don Chandler. So, um, hello, Don.
3: Hello, how are you doing, guys?
0: uh we're good well, i'm doing good it's a bit early for us we're recording this at 10 a.m which is is like musician 6 a.m so as far as i'm concerned so <laughs> um i think it's cute i'm
3: well up by 10 a.m <laughs> well
0: up. Well up. i don't i don't believe that we, t- we talked to music you're the exception to the rule <laughs> <laughs> and the other exception to the rule who also seems to enjoy early early rising we've got uh we've got Mar bessie with us so uh julia and matt hello
4: good morning i good didn't morning. say i enjoy early
0: mornings i just have to have early mornings yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> um so yeah so uh if uh, anyone hasn't listened before the premise of the music changing lives podcast is to find out how um how local artists have had music change their lives and uh how their life has changed their music so uh don how has music
3: changed your life gosh i don't know where to start. Um... <laughs> Seriously, uh, everything I've wanted to do, every dream that I ever had since I was a kid, has kind of come true. So you know, I, I've I started off as a DJ. I used to be a DJ, and I was part of the Reading sound system circuit. And all the records that I used to used to play, I've probably played for most of the artists that that I used to play. You know, so <laughs> I've been to every country that I've ever wanted to go to. Gosh, I. I can't say any more than that. It's, it's, I've had every every dream I've ever thought of has come true.
0: I'm going to give you the perfect opportunity to name drop. Who, who have you played with, and what, what records transformed into playing mm. with the artist?
3: Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> so, my very first tour, my very first, i was already playing for years before the tour, before my proper first proper tour came along. But um, uh, um a group called the Mighty Diamonds who were the band who... Now, you, you'll all know the song Past the by M- Musical Youth. It was originally recorded by the Mighty Diamonds. That was the original version called Past the Kuchi, but a kuchi is kind of not polit- a politically correct um, instrument to be singing about, especially when your kids of... Um, they were, like, between 13 and 16. Um, so that, that was the first band I went on tour with, with, with Mighty Diamonds and an artist called Frankie Paul. And then after that, it was just one after the other, it was Freddie um, uh Horace Andy, i toured with Horace Andy for years, Horace Andy is the lead vocalist of Massive Attack, um, Johnny Clark, um, then I kind of moved off of reggae and ended up in the pop world, so I toured with Craig David for about five years, then I started doing some TV stuff, I did TV with Mariah Carey, Lionel Richie, Phil Collins, just, it's just, very, just all sorts of different things, you know? Um, yeah, everything I could ever think of I've done it.
0: One of those things that we that we end up to, when we talk to to artists who've quote unquote made it is that they it it sometimes happened by a little bit by accident. Is it is it something that you suddenly, you know, you got you got one gig and then and then it went on from there.
3: And you never thought that you'd necessarily get to be a musician and then you're suddenly there. Well, you have this term in music called a session musician. And I never intended to be a session musician. It was not like I came out of school and you know, I had I had a proper job. I was working for British Rail for um, a good seven years before the whole music thing happened. Oh wow! What were you doing? I was a telecommunications <laughs> technician. So I used to fix the clocks, um, do, the com- do the computers, the telephones. Um, but I would always take my guitar to work with me every day.
0: Wow! Um, yeah. And how were they with
3: that? <laughs> they didn't. They didn't know because <laughs> I was working in Paddington, and the office was here in Reading. So I would sneak off into a little, I would go and do the job I was supposed to do, <laughs> not clear it off, zoom into a little room and practice for a few hours. <laughs> and then when I finished, then I clear, clear the job off. <laughs> and <Amazing>. never caught <laughs> I was ne- never got caught
0: <laughs> I will be passing this straight on to British Royal afterwards <laughs> <right>? <laughs> <laughs> they don't exist anymore <laughs> no, no.
2: <laughs> i, I got to add in there as well while we're talking about some of your achievements do you want to tell us a little bit about Morgan Heritage how that came about and what that escalated to
3: oh so Morgan Heritage is um, so funny enough I've, I went on tour with Morgan Heritage is, is a band of uh their their family and um i went on tour with some of the brothers there's, there's another band called LMS which is more brothers there's something like 50 kids in the family <laughs> and i and i don't think i'm exaggerating so i went i first went on tour with a band called LMS which were morgan heritage's younger um siblings and you know, i met the morgan heritage guys guys on the road and There was was never any kind of communication about producing or anything, but in 2015, um, for the first time, they were kind of farming out their production. And I was working with Shawnee B of One Extra at a time. Yeah. And he came to me and said, uh, you know, Morgan Heritage are looking for some outside producers and send some tracks. And, you know, I sent some tracks and... We never actually worked together. It was all online and, and wow. yeah, uh, and all the tracks that I had done, including mixing, I was because I was on tour with you before. At the time, sorry for another name drop, but <laughs> it's okay, very, very smooth <laughs> like that. Please don't uh... ask
4: me that question. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I was on on tour with you before at the time, so all the tracks I was I was doing was on the road. So I was recording all the horns in hotel rooms. Um, I think I recorded the guitars in, I, I remember actually, um, calling up a guitarist and saying, I need to record you. He was, um, in a rehearsal with Levi Roots at the time and I zoomed down to their, their rehearsal, just plugged my, my interface into my computer right at the end. And I recorded the guitarist just there and then. So all the stuff that I was doing for Morgan Heritage, it was just while I was on the road. And, wow. um, yeah, so... This this connection with uh, Shawnee B Just did some tracks Sent them to Morgan Heritage They liked it And Funny enough That that particular album Went on to win a Grammy So Just like that I ended up As a Grammy winner
2: (laughs) (laughs) Amazing Absolutely amazing
3: Yeah And all All while multitasking (laughs) Yeah Like I said Nothing was planned This is just all stuff That sort of Just fell into place One after the other Mm -hmm. I, I never had any time To actually be in a studio To actually Properly record stuff. Now, mm. I was in hotel rooms hanging microphones around lampshades and <laughs> you know, using duvets just to dampen the room and, yeah. Railway
0: that's station how, writing rooms.
3: Yeah. That, that <laughs> how, that's how all of that stuff got done. And I, I reckon that's if I had planned to do it in the studio, it would never got finished. It wouldn't. Yeah. Sometimes you just need that extra drive, I guess, don't you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely.
0: Mix,
3: mixing on aeroplanes. I was mixing on the aeroplanes and... While I was yeah, going from, I don't know, Hawaii to Australia or wherever.
4: Well so, done, Dom.
3: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: That's amazing. That might be a music changing your life moment.
3: Yeah. <laughs> 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 I every opportunity you get. <laughs> well, you know, my early days, I live, funny enough, I lived around the corner from, from Julia. Literally.
4: <laughs> I'm still there, Dom. I'm still there. Two <laughs>
3: minutes, two minutes around the corner.
4: That's right. Yeah. 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 We went to school together.
3: That's right. Ah, Sorry, no Don, way! <laughs> I didn't realise that. To,
0: we're coming to visit you soon.
2: <laughs> Does that
0: any any shared musical experiences from from your youth?
4: <laughs> no, we haven't. We nearly did something together,
0: but it didn't happen, did it, Don?
1: No.
4: Um, no. With John, but yeah, we, hopefully I will, I do want to, because I want Don to produce um, some of my tracks. So I'm just trying to find the funding um, and then, you know, we're, we're, we're going for it because I really love his sound and the fact that we are just around the corner. We went to the same school, you know, we know the same clique of friends. I actually didn't know that he went on tour with Frankie Paul um, and back in the 80s Frankie Paul and Berris Hammond I I mean I still love Berris Hammond and Frankie Paul but Frankie Paul sadly passed away but Berris Hammond is one of my my key figures to get to I want to do a song with Berris Hammond that's one of my ambitions and the other one is to sing in the Royal Albert Hall um but you know that that's that's what it is and to get to the Jamaica Jazz Festival as well oh wow so uh, yeah, the Jazz and Blues Festival in 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 Jamaica. But yeah, Don is on my list of producers. I'm just trying to get the funding together <laughs> <laughs> to do the track, do the Grammy Award winner. No, I'm joking. Um, you know, mates' rates are got to come in somewhere. But no, we will get a project together. It will because I really love his sound, and I think we've come from the same place. You know, our dads are both into music. What Don didn't say is that his dad was. Um, uh, the the player in the the steel band in a steel band he was uh, the bass player wasn't he
3: guitarist
4: yeah and and Don was the bass player so Don from a young age was playing with his dad in the band anyway um, and then my my brother in law um, was playing in the Hurricane 4 steel band. And um, I always wanted to sing a song with them. And my my brother-in-law, Emmy, Emerson Ashby, he always said to me, no, Julie, you're too young. And that kind of put me off for a while. But, you know, I then went on to sing in a steel band and play with the Hurricane 4 steel band. So even though I was only little and told that I'm too young, I still got to perform with the Hurricane 4 steel band, which was you- really nice
0: for me. Did you have? A, did you grow up with a, a musical background as well? Then, or were you were you encouraged? Oh
4: yeah, yeah. Music's always been. There. I mean, records. My dad was a DJ back in the fifties, sixties. So he came over in the late fifties, and he was a DJ, and he always used to give me the microphone he's the five of us at home we all had our own songs that we used to sing on on sunday afternoon well sunday mornings before we went to domino's and before we had dinner he would um give us the microphone it was this little stick microphone that was literally falling to pieces by the time we finished with it but um (laughs) he'd literally put the record on and we would all have our own special records i remember my brother's was um boderation (laughs) A song called Moderation. It goes, Moderation, oh, oh, yeah, Moderation. There, that used to be my brother's song because he was poor, pure Boderation anyway. But um, <laughs> yeah, we all had our own songs, and we used to sing. Mine was, um, oh, what well, I shall sing, but the Hortons Ellis version, um, Marcio Griffiths on a version as well. But yeah, we, we, so we all had our own, our own songs that we used to sing through and know it word by word and you know he put the record on we'd have our moment you know so I could ditch the hairbrush and sing with the uh the microphone (laughs) 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 so yeah since then I've been I've been singing yeah I suppose that connects
0: quite nicely to the question how has music changed your life then as well
4: oh my gosh music how has music changed my life gosh it's well since being a, a a child grown up with it. Um, My dad being the the DJ. And um, so music was always there, always wanted to be a singer and actress, a Mr. Carpenter at school. You'll know Mr. Carpenter, Don Mm in 1980 asked what we wanted to do when we were 30. What can we see ourselves being? And I've literally still got it in my school book. Um, When I grow up, I want to be a singer and an actress. And so said, so done. But it took a while when I was 10, I was um, did an audition for the rock nativity at the hexagon and when I was on that stage at 10 years old and looking out at the audience I said that's what I want to be I mean my, my friends at school ridiculed me oh my gosh you, know, you know but some were really supportive but some were just laughing but and then there was a guy called Peter Elaine as well that we were at school with he got a part in it too and uh, another one of my friends who went to drama school and done all dancing and singing and acting because my parents couldn't afford for us you know to do anything like that um but she went to everything and she didn't get through. And I thought, Oh, you know, I must have something if someone with training and everything got through and then I didn't, you know, so from there, but when I was stood on that stage, um, I just knew that that's what I wanted to do. And there was a guy called Ted green, who was a choreographer for, um, well, he was on the, um, you know, the Cliff Richards school, summer holiday, we're all going on a (laughs) summer holiday. That, that film, he was on that film, but he then went on to be a choreographer. And he was the choreographer on that Rock Nativity show. Um, and he said to me, Julia, you've got something. When you're on stage, your eyes light up. And I didn't understand it at the time because I thought, well, I can't see my eyes lighting up. But he must have seen that in me. <laughs> so from the age of 10, I just knew that that's what I wanted to do. Then I used to play violin and my m- Mrs. Desec. And then um, there was a, a teacher came in who heard that I had a voice. She came... And she gave me free lessons, free opera lessons at the age of ten as well. So it kind of all happened just before I left uh, senior school. I always sang in the school choir. Always had lead parts in the play. I even played Midas, the king. I don't know if you watched that, Don. No. But <laughs> <laughs> at primary school, I was Midas in the school play. Um, yeah, uh, being a male figure, hey, as a, as a girl, that was quite you know good for the time. Um, but yeah, always got the lead parts and the solos in the choirs and so forth. But always knew that I wanted to sing. Um, then had a baby quite young, and things kind of went a bit pear shaped. <laughs> My dad said, get a proper job, because I said I wanted to do singing and acting. And I got a proper job, done office work and everything you could think of in the office, secretarial, all of that stuff. And then at the age of 30, went left all the my finance, I was doing finance at the time, um, purchase ledger, running a purchase ledger department. And I said, no, I can't do this. I need to do my, my performing. Um, so then I went and did my degree, which is where I met Matt. So I'd done a degree in uh, community theatre and Matt was the, the leader, was the, uh, head, he of was de- the head, head of, of department. department. That's, That's right. right. So he was one of my tutors. He's now in my band. Um, yeah, Doing as so, I'm told. And it was <laughs> reggae. It was reggae. And, and, um, and so Calypso, gospel, lovers rock, all up until um, 2010. Uh, and then I... 2000, year 2000. And then I was introduced to Bessie Smith. Um, I'd never grown up with jazz and blues, just couldn't get it, just just didn't get it. So what is that? And then once I heard Bessie Smith, Careless Love, that was it. And for me, then 2015, we formed Mar Bessie and our Pigfoot band. I was going oh, to say, yeah.
0: where did the where did the, the the Bessie Smith influence come from? So it so it was a kind of relatively new
5: thing in a way. It's, it's, it's worth mentioning Andy. Andy Andy is, Wilkins. Andy yeah. Wilkins is the percussionist in my Bessie and Her Pigfoot Band, and he was the one that introduced Julia to it, you know, twenty years ago
4: at South Street, uh, Twenty One South Street. He's,
5: he's our kind of uh, he's our blues oracle. He's he my angel. He, he knows is... so much about the blues and so yeah. much about the artists and the background of the songs and that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. and you know julia brought me in just because
4: i needed a guitarist yeah well we
5: (laughs) (laughs) we produced produced that album together didn't we 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 did we 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 produced an album together and julia said do you want to do a gig and that was in 2015 and we played at woodcut steam (laughs) fair on a stage in the wind <laughs> <laughs> Barely rehearsed And then we did a few more gigs And then we launched the Pigfoot band properly With the trilbies and the suits And mm. the, the look mm. On your birthday mm. in 2016 mm. And I think we're a how many gigs are we in? 160, 170 gigs I don't know. in? He keeps count. We've lost, camp. <laughs> We've lost <laughs> count. We've lost count. We did our last one on Sunday. So they there do. we go.
4: And we played for the Mayor of Reading last week as well.
5: Ah, oh, congratulations. You oh, not i don't yeah.
4: remember her name. Eden, her name's Rachel. Rachel Eden, yeah, Rachel. Rachel. Eden because my, my maiden name, my mum's maiden name is Eden, um, who hails from Martha Washington, George Washington's wife. So oh, I don't wow. But yeah, that's where my mum hails from. Mm. that's
0: that's a good digression <laughs> so, yeah it's impressive um but yes yeah, so i actually matt i was gonna ask you ask you kind of the same question because you're you're the relative outsider here you're not you're you're not originally from redden i'm detected am, by yeah, the
5: accent I, <laughs> the accent's changed a bit but i've still held on to it. now I'm, I'm originally from hull in yorkshire and my, my, i'm in my my musical background was kind of all me. My grand, I think my granddad was musical. He wanted to buy me an instrument when I was nine, and he said, do you want a keyboard or a guitar? And I chose a guitar, which was a, possibly a good... He wanted to give me this posh electric keyboard and everything, and I'm glad I didn't. I got the guitar. And then I just got... I was fortunate. My mum would pay for lessons, and I did my A-level, and I went to uni and did popular music studies which was one of six university courses that I was interested in at the time these days there's about a million of them (laughs) (laughs) the the application system and I met some really nice people at uni but I also met my wife and she said can we go back down south and so I moved in with her mum and dad on I think it was my 22nd birthday (laughs) and I've been in Reading ever since and 60 years ago (laughs) <laughs> Not that long ago. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 20, 23 years ago, I think it is.
4: He's actually younger than me. But, but we,
5: we um, I mean, when I came down here, the first thing I did is I tried to join a band because I I was, I didn't know anybody. And so I, I I, answered an ad in the Melody Maker magazine. Oh, um,
2: yeah.
5: For, a, a, for a, somebody wanting a guitarist, it was in Wokenham or something. I went to a rehearsal room, did the audition. They said on the spot you've got it because you're the only one that played along with the track properly and didn't try to show off which i thought was quite nice <laughs> we did we did an album and we did a bit of a tour uh, around the uk we were maybe gonna go and do germany and then the band split up as they inevitably do and then i just started teaching but keeping playing in covers bands and i've kind of been a side man i've played with singer-songwriters i've played uh, as I say in covers bands and then I met Julia what 20 years ago probably nearly mm-hmm. but we started collaborating 2000. probably 2013 2000 mm-hmm. actually it was before then it was in yeah I think it was about 2013 so maybe eight and you know seven or eight years and the pigfoot band thing just came about purely by chance we just started doing gigs and people started liking what we were doing and so we did more gigs and then we brought you know we had the sax player and then we brought Andy in for percussion and we booked ourselves in for festivals and things and it's just been really nice that it's evolved mm. as a thing that never had a plan mm, so yeah. maybe a bit like what Don was talking it's about There's no, side thing to
4: do is not it
5: yeah we were just doing it and then it was just like oh somebody's offered us this gig oh we've been offered this oh do you want to do that and you know I and your that. diary's full <laughs> <laughs>
4: We did, we had 55 gigs booked in 2019 the December for yeah. 2020 55 wow. and that was our busiest year. Wow. And was, then it
5: all got wiped March the thirteenth was our last gig. We still squeezed festivals. in twenty odd gigs in those first three months. We did, so we, yeah. did all, we did all we right. Did,
4: yeah.
5: It was it was depressing the the amount of gigs that just felt like dominoes, you know. Yeah. We well, had
4: some really nice festivals. We did. Really nice stuff. And um yeah it was it was quite sad. And going back to Andy Wilkin, it's I first approached him you know when my I come from if you don't ask you don't get and I saw Andy Wilkin at South Street we were doing something in my my degree we were doing some theatre stuff there and um I said to the guy there I think it's John Luther um who (laughs) who i want to sing some live stuff i really want to do some live stuff because i was just finding my voice doing my degree and um i said to him he said oh there's a guy called andy wilkin he runs a blues club i'm like blues club (laughs) he said but he might let you sing live what songs do you know and i'm like uh summertime (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so literally that one song summertime is that got Andy heard me say he said yeah yeah come along come and do uh you know when we're doing the 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 show just come we'll give you the mic and you just do the song I said okay then what key do you sing it in I don't know (laughs) <laughs> I just think summertime so uh, same summertime they backed me and then afterwards he goes oh you've got a nice little voice on you, you you've got a really nice voice he said I really like it do you fancy a gig and then so I start. I was gigging with um, uh, Beggar's Belief, Beggar's Belief um, for a few years and then it disbanded because people moved away as they do you know and and so with Beggar's Belief so then I knew and that that's when Andy introduced me to Bessie Smith um, and my Bessie comes from um, Mar Rainey and Bessie Smith So it's the music of the 20s and 30s That I've just fallen in love with Although I, I'd never really got into them Because uh, when I was younger Because it was all reggae and um, and gospel uh, No blues or jazz at all yeah, I, I imagine I that
0: ever. felt like super old-fashioned To try and listen to at the time And then it's kind of had a renaissance
4: Exactly <laughs> But yeah, but Bessie Smith, Careless Love Hands down, that is the song that introduced me
0: I suppose leading on, because a lot of you've... You, there's been a lot of Reading places name-dropping and Reading... Has Reading... This is a question to all of you, really. Has Reading been a place that's, that's fostered your music? Have you have you found it beneficial being here?
5: Definitely. As, as somebody who came to Reading, I moved to the area. I moved to Wokenham initially and then Reading when I could afford a house. Um, but we... We were there for only three or four months, and I joined this band. And then when you joined the band, there was all these other people that were surrounded, and I'm still really good friends. And when you find somebody in Reading that's into music or is part of the music scene, everybody, and Pete will probably agree with this, everybody, you kind of, you look out for people, don't you? And if you see somebody, it's a really nice scene. Absolutely. you can always pick up on people. So some, as, as an outsider, I don't know what would have happened if I'd have stayed in my hometown. I don't know what would have happened if I'd have stayed at the place that I went to university. But I came down here and I was gigging within six months, which was a surprise to me. And I've never stopped in those 20 odd years. So I think I think it's a, you know, it's a small, it's not, it's a big town, but it's there's this, there's, this, there's a nice tight community and there's lots of people who are there for you. I think there's a lot of stories of people who've had that experience.
2: Um, I was friends with, um, Hazel who, uh, is known as ever Hazel now as a performer in Reading, but I knew her when she was, um, working in a pub in Shepherds Bush that I used to DJ at. And she moved to Reading, um, to be with her now husband. And, um, she uh, she didn't know anyone. She just asked me, "Do you know anyone?" And I just gave her a couple of names, and then yeah, she was like within three four months, she was playing. At Are you listening? Um, playing at, to an absolute packed out house at Milk, and then just built from there. And I think it was just so easy because everyone is is really appreciative and supportive of each other, mm-hmm. and and that they know what it's like to be in that situation where you're starting or when you're just finding somewhere new. And I I, I really like the way that that's uh, developed really strongly and really
0: yeah. And I suppose Don for someone. He's he's been around the world with his music. Is is that something that resonates with
3: you as well? I don't get to do a lot of local stuff nowadays. Um, but I've got you done. Don't worry. <laughs> 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 yes. you, know, you know, growing up, there was so much going on in Reading live-wise. Mm, um, you know, the, the, the after dark could probably look a bit like of a you know derelict building now. Um, but after dark and Central Club every weekend guaranteed some live thing going on between those two places. Mm. You know, a lot of the artists that I played for later on in life, you know, I saw them either at the After Dark or down at Central Club.
1: Backstreet. Mm. Mm. You know,
3: so yeah, it's only like lately now in terms of like doing anything local. actually <clears throat> funny enough, on Saturday night I played at There's this new bar in Friar Street called Playlist. Then I've if, if you know it at all. Yes,
0: we've heard about it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so I was playing in play, Playlist on Friday night. Oh. Wow. Um, no, Saturday night. Um, someone just... Uh, Dale Davis. I don't know if you know Dale Davis. Dale Davis was the MD for Amy Winehouse.
4: Mm. Martin son yeah. Yes.
3: But he lives here in Reading. Mm. Ah. And I knew him as a kid. His dad and my dad used to play in bands together. So Dale had asked me if I'd cover for him in Playlist. So, yeah, found myself doing... Um, I was doing the um, Bob Marley, you know, this Bob Marley musical that's mm. happening oh, yeah. in West End. So I'm the base chair for that. Well, I'm going to be the base Are chair.
4: Are you? Yeah.
3: I was involved. Oh, with it when it, I'm when coming
4: it, to see it when I get a ticket. I was
3: involved <laughs> when it first started. I was involved with the whole writing and
4: wow. uh,
3: when they're building the parts and scrapping parts and, yeah.
4: and
1: then,
3: then they did the trial up in uh, Birmingham, the pilot, wow. which I didn't do because it wasn't paying enough. But yeah, um, <laughs> 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 <So, yeah. laughs> so, uh, so I it's, it's come round again. It's in the West End, and it, there's, there's another oh, bass player doing it at the moment. But they've asked me to come in and, and depth.
0: Wow. And it's, we at Ready Pop have worked with with Naif, who's who's playing. I think Teenage Bob Marley. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a small world. <laughs> it is. I mean, going back to Central Club, I like. I was I was just too young, I think, for for Central Club. But it mm-hmm. was one of those things that it's kind of. It very much mourned like it was always it was always a thing even when I was a teenager, like people would be like, Oh you you just missed Central Club. Central Club was amazing. Yeah. And it seems like there's so many memories from that place that so many people have. And it was clearly quite instrumental to kind of so many people's music careers.
4: Oh 100%. yeah, definitely. Yeah, I remember seeing Maxi Priest there
0: like,
4: I was fixated with his bass player. I wasn't listening to Maxi Priest, <laughs> but I was watching the bass player because he was just stood there with his dark glasses. And I always got this image of just stood staring at the bass player. I couldn't even, I wasn't even listening to what else they were doing. I just, just fixed it on fixated on the bass player watching and stood in central club and that's one of my you know my my lo- central club was just amazing my dad used to play there the dominoes team down there as well um and lunch times we'd be down there getting lunch because you know you could get a proper dinner you don't have to go home and cook a proper dinner because it takes ages to cook caribbean food um, and have it you know but it you know Perry's down there was just amazing and it was just such a lovely space really lovely the dances the the clubs the you could learn anything there you could do it any- it was just amazing it was such a nice atmosphere and it's so sad that it's gone yeah mm-hmm.
0: completely yeah. although I'm very grateful that Perry's are still about uh. oh
4: yeah 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 yeah, Perry's
0: <laughs> <laughs> still not Perry's. yeah. <laughs> so this is oh. where I uh flick the question and I think some of these things have been covered but um Don, how has how has life changed your music? Oh wow Um
3: it's pretty easy to answer that question seeing that we've just come out of a pandemic <laughs> that has changed my music totally Um up until pandemic time obviously I was I'd stopped touring in 2017 funny enough um, so I was sort of trying to find my way trying to find out how I'm going to replace this whole touring life i kind of mm. I kind of been everywhere that I wanted to do play with all the bands that I wanted I wanted to play with I thought I'm gonna try focus more on the studio side side of things mm. and um obviously the pandemic hit and we all had to find other ways of making a living and I've dived into the online world of the, um, tutorials and wow so, yeah so I've got um a youtube channel I've been running I didn't um, know. Yeah. I'll plug in. And it's, it's so. This time last year, I put a video up. I just uh, I thought uh, I'll just stick this video. It was about a, a particular reggae bass player that no one's really spoken about before. I thought I'll just stick it up and see what happens. No one's going to be interested in this. And I think I just put it up, left it there, went back in January, and had a laugh. I well, okay, okay, there's um like 500 views on this video, and. You, you go into monetization when you hit 2,000... I think it's 2,000 views and um, 4,000 hours of playing, whatever it is. And then, uh, like, two weeks after that, it was, like, 1,000 views. And the next month in February, I hit my 2,000... Um, I think my, my monetization wow. threshold. And that particular video now has 580,000 views.
1: Oh, um, nice. Yeah, is it what, a video
3: essay, then? Are you... No, it's, it's um, I've kind of gone into a niche of reggae um, bass tutorials. So talking about particular players and what made them unique, and you know, I offer a PDF and a backing track, and yeah, it's it's gone pretty mental. In the wow, year, nice. in the year, I've done like I've got thirty thousand subscribers now. Wow! So I got um, students in LA that have me teaching at midnight. So, (laughs) yeah. Incredible. It's been pretty good. That's why you're up early.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. That's amazing.
3: Staying up from teaching. Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. So, I've kind of. My life has kind of changed, you know. Um, And obviously, this musical's come around now, so just kind of falling in my lap at the right time. Mm. Um, Yeah. It's all been good. And I suppose that's, that's a thing
0: for a lot of. And it's a thing that's come up a lot on these podcasts for musicians is that diversifying what they do and the way that they they make music and the things that they do within music has been like super beneficial to them. And this time has given a bit of pause to kind of understand the other things that they can do with their, their music other than performing because
3: they've yeah. never had to. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. In a funny way, I think the, the um, pandemic was a good thing. Well, f- for me, definitely that whole mm. put the brakes on and, you know, reassess. Outcomes- yeah, up until then, I'd just been running around, chasing gigs, where's the next gig? Um, you know, the week before the pandemic hit, I was chasing a gig and then I found out on that gig that this particular strange flu that's um, got me feeling a little bit weird is probably COVID, you know, <laughs> yeah, and that, that was March the 10th, that gig, and then we locked wow. down, we locked down March the 17th, um, wow. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was in bed March the seventh when we actually locked down, I was in bed ill.
0: Oh, oh wow. wow! Yeah, so so you really know knew the reason why.
3: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah the brakes wow. were literally put on me, and yeah, f- start again.
0: I mean, obviously, yeah. you mentioned uh Julia that the the fifty something gigs that you had all lined up. Fifty
4: five. Yeah. Fifty
0: five. So that must have been quite a quite a shock for you guys.
4: It was a shock. Um... But you know we survived it. We done a couple of live performances. But what I did do is write a play because doing my degree in the community theatre, it was a strange degree. We only it only ran for what two three years,
5: probably at the most.
4: It, but yeah. it was such a great um, a great uh, subject for because it was it was uh, political theatre a forum theatre. It wasn't bums on seats theatre, so it's theatre that makes people stand up, listen, empower people to do stuff. So um, doing that, I realised, of course I can write plays, I can write shows and I can do all of this stuff. I've done it. Why? why? And and that made me, so I've now written a, a new show called, um, well, it, it's to do with my album, The Life Is Too Short, but it's—I've turned it into a community theatre piece now. So we're just about to apply for funding. Even if I don't get the funding, but it's going to have a live band, live band that tells the my my life story that interjects my mum and my dad. Because on my mum's side is Martha Washington, um, but on my dad's side is the the Maroons um, from Jamaica, the, the slaves brought from Africa. Um, so the, the coming of those two together and then mixing it in with my music, then being mixed race—the first ones in my family to be mixed race like my my mum my mum's family cut us off because she married my dad who was black and my my dad's family embraced us all you know from Jamaica so I know Mm. my black side of the family I don't know the white side of my family because they literally out of my mum's nine brothers and sisters only two of them spoke to her so I only grew up with two white uncle one, one white uncle one why uh, auntie but on my dad's side you know all of my my dad's nine brothers and sisters um we, we I knew of. uh but now I'm finding cousins that are 70 years old that didn't know that we existed because wow. their parents my uncle did not tell them that we existed so that's quite nice and that bringing all that into my my show which is called life is too short Matt's going to do the sound on it Hey. I just need to find uh, the, the the band because I, I I want a, a reggae band and it's going to take. Um all from gospel so going from 1900 when my granddad was born back in jamaica um and he his dad was a slave and he is an overseer and so forth so we're taking it from 1900 and going right through to now to and and it's all called life is too short and it's a, a community theatre piece. so i want kids to come with their grandparents so their grandparents can hear all the songs of the wind rush era and you know just going right back so it's got the gospel it's got the lover's rock it's got all of all of that stuff interjected you know might put a bit of Jim Reeves in there for my mum but I'm thinking about it <laughs> 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 I don't know if I want to mention them at all no I'm joking but um yeah so you know my yeah it, so it is and I, it's just about getting it done actually and I was with Mary Guinness the other day and she's um trying to help me get it all in in my my head and make sense of it and, and get it to fruition you know um but much- yeah that's that's my next project life is too short community that's amazing
0: that i amazing. want
4: it to go to community centers rather than theater so i want it to be accessible i want there to be food there i want people to sit and eat and enjoy the show of the afternoon have it at the weekends where families can come you know and, and touch and feel and smell and taste it's a total theater piece so
0: <laughs> yeah it's that's
4: yeah that's cool. my next project that i did in lockdown
0: and how i guess how much you feel that that you're having that how much does that diverse background inform your music I, I kind of understand having lots of different cultural backgrounds going on I was just wondering if it's something that feels tan, like a tangential thing that that you you kind of found your own music and you had a bit of guidance or is it something that's core to your kind of the way that you make music
4: Oh, I don't know. Yeah, because sometimes, I mean, in our show, we have we have. I pick songs from more the divas, like
5: uh, we do. We do some Billy Holiday. Billy Holiday.
4: Families. We've got Ella Fitzgerald. We've got Bessie Smith, but we've also got uh, "I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel to Be Free." It's Nina Simone. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we've also got Bob Marley. Yeah. Um, we have redemption song in there. We have gospel in there. We have. Um, we also have Warren Zevon who done a song called Carmelita, never heard of him before, went to a blue show um, at South Street and saw a guy singing a song called Carmelita. I thought, what is that song? That is such an amazing song. Looked up, it's a guy called Warren Zevon, who sadly passed away quite young, but he was amazing, and that song just stopped me in my tracks. Mm. Um, and we do that in our shows, but music has changed everything for me, I think, and especially Living With Depression. Music has been instrumental in, in lifting my mood, bringing me up. Sometimes I can't do anything, can I? Matt, Matt knows when I'm in a thing. No, phone, no. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, my, with my depression, I've lived with depression for quite a few years. And in the lockdown, I actually came off. Of my depression tablets, which was really quite instrumental because I thought if I come off of them, see, we're digressing now. I hope you don't mind. But um, (laughs) in talking about, you know, depression, it has been a big part of it as well. Um, And coming off of my medication last June. I didn't say anything to anyone that I was coming off them because I didn't want anyone to treat me differently Mm. because not many people knew that I was on them, but I didn't want it to be an open thing. So I phoned my doctor in the June and told him that I don't want any more tablets. And he said, why? And I said, because since March, since lockdown, I've, I've decided to come off them. I might wean them, I, myself off. And um, he said, you are done really well because everyone's going on them and you're now coming off them. But <laughs> the, the reason is Thanks. I couldn't crash while I was working because I felt that the antidepressants were keeping me together and yeah. I could work and I could manage stuff. And I felt that if I'd come off of the antidepressants and fallen into a depression, I wouldn't have been able to work. So the lockdown was a saviour, savior really, because it meant that I could safely come off of my antidepressants and not, because because we work with so many people, if I'm not working, then they're not working. Do you see what I mean? So if I have to cancel a gig because I'm in my depression, I'm in my space, Uh, you know what can I do and I couldn't do that while we were working so the lockdown Mm. afforded me to come off of my antidepressants and it's been amazing so it's been a whole year well it's June so it's over a year and a half and I I'm still okay
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm still okay I
4: haven't fallen back in and that's the frightening thing do you come off and how long will you be okay and I do feel okay yeah
0: and I think you know music and creativity and I suppose you had that the time to, to to write the play like, look, mm, look, and more songs. You almost, I think, for I mean, we mental health has, has come up quite a lot on these podcasts, and um yeah. oh, wow. I think people people often talk about. It's almost like a need. Like, like the creativity is is a need. It helps. Mm, it's mm, is mm. probably it's part of what we do at Ready Pop day and day out. We we understand. Mm. The importance of music and
4: music therapy, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. and depression, <laughs> yeah. And, and a song I wrote in lockdown was Someone is Knocking My Door, um, and it's getting really good reviews, isn't it? It, is. it was, yeah. it was, um, but it's Someone is Knocking My Door and it tells my life story, and well. it's such, it is in in three minutes, it tells my life story, but everybody loves it. we done it on Sunday, didn't we? We did yeah. it on Sunday, people dance into it and they can't really love that song but I haven't done it properly yet I said to Matt I haven't got the right mix of it yet so I'm still trying to find my mix because I want to incorporate reggae with my blues and my jazz and there's a guy called Errol Linton I really love his music really love his sound and he's mixed blues and jazz with reggae and that's the kind of thing I'm trying to find my sound what is my sound not you know just doing the covers that we do so yeah that's my next thing (laughs) Don. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I love how you threw that in. <laughs> no pressure, Don. But while you're here, <laughs> we
0: will end on there, so you know it's it's a plea on record <laughs> forever. <laughs> and everyone remembers.
3: <laughs> I'm um, <but> here. <laughs> I'll be here five thirty in the morning.
0: <laughs> yeah, we, yes, we know.
2: You know where I am. Raised <laughs> it.
0: We know Don can do early starts, so.
4: <laughs> yeah um, that's right
0: uh, thank you all for, for coming uh, on the podcast and, and getting the ball rolling with us again it's oh, well. been an absolute pleasure yeah. I think we'll uh, we'll play out with uh, some tracks of, of you guys but um, other than that I just wanted to say thank you and uh, to everyone listening uh, look forward to having you back for the, the next Ready Pop Music Changing Lives podcast
4: thank you very much
1: Show moments like I'd never felt before. The seasons came and feelings changed and life got in the way. I took life for granted. I could never
0: I Forgot to Say I Love You by Mar Bessie. Thanks again to all my guests and we'll catch you next time on the Ready Pop podcast.